We are over these two Sundays. Uh, today and next Sunday is our Christmas, Christmas special services. And so uh, we're theming around the, the theme of the indescribable gift. The indescribable gift. I'm not sure if you realize this, but the Aussie tradition of opening presents on Christmas Day is that there are some other unusual uh, ideas or ways it's done, and I, I know we've got some people from different parts of Europe, but apparently St. Nicholas Eve on December the 6th or 5th and 6th is a, is a day when people open their presents in Belgium and Germany and, and Czech Republic, so that's like now. So hey, if you've got your Christmas presents, just tap into your inner German and you can open your presents right now. Away we go. Or, tragically, the ones that take the longest is January the 6th. And that's where some countries, and particularly Catholic countries, Spain and Mexico, they call it the Epiphany, and they keep their presence until January the 6th. I don't think I could wait. I don't know about you. Who could wait till January the 6th? Who, who, who does a presence on Christmas Eve? I know some people, that's your tradition. We've got a few like that. Who just doesn't do presents? No, I didn't think so. Good news. Good news. Generous crew. Well done. Who's, who's, who's already bought all your presents? Come on, somebody. Oh, impressive. Wow. I am impressed. Good job. Well, we're talking about the indescribable gift. And the indescribable gift is described in 1 Corinthians as the, the great gift of God. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. 2 Corinthians, sorry, 9, 15. And of course, the indescribable gift is Jesus. Jesus is the, the one we're singing about. Jesus is the one we're, we're celebrating. Jesus is the one that we're eternally grateful for because he is the indescribable gift. And his, uh, the way he comes to us and changes our lives is what we're celebrating tonight. And before I get into my short message, I want to invite a great uh, member of our church whose life, like so many hundreds of people in this church, has been changed by a relationship with God. I'm going to ask Dan Bowman, why don't you come and tell us a little bit about your story. This is Mr. Dan or Daniel's son, you may call him. <laughs> Big Dan. Big Dan, he likes to be referred to. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor John. Um, <laughs> so um, I was born and raised in a loving family up in Toowoomba. I still have the accent a little bit. Um, I, I grew up with a, a great circle of friends, played a lot of sport. Uh, for me, life was pretty sweet. Um, life gradually went downhill uh, for me, when I moved out of home, made a lot of bad choices, uh, made some poor choices of who I hung around with, um, got involved in uh, things like drugs, dealing, heavy drinking, fighting, um, all of this uh, and, and a bit more put, almost put me in prison around the time that my first daughter was born. So not a fun time. Um, so had didn't really have any purpose at all. I uh, wasn't achieving anything, couldn't keep a job for more than five minutes, I uh, was trying to find my identity trying to make a name for myself, and all it did was ruin the few good friendships that I had left. I decided to move to the coast a while after my parents did, where I continued pretty destructive lifestyle of heavy drinking and fighting. Uh, these choices, amongst other things, cost me my first marriage. Uh, my ex-wife moved back to Toowoomba with our two kids, Zoe and Joseph, uh, who were very young at the time, um, and it completely broke me losing my two kids. Um, before my marriage breakdown, I had been in this church for a while, um, but in that time, I was still very much doing life my way, um, which clearly wasn't working for me too well. Um, I, I stopped coming to church for a few years as I felt full of shame and completely unworthy of God's love and acceptance. Um, a few months after I started dating my beautiful um, now wife, Trish, 
um, she found out I used to go to church and wanted to come and check it out. So she dragged me along, and I'm glad that she did, because this is when things began to change. Um, I was still battling with heavy drinking, living my way, but I was determined to know God better and start to hand things over to Him. I remember crying out to Him one night to take my drinking addiction from me, which in one powerful encounter He did. Um, I haven't had a drink for about nine years. So... Through years of going to God for help, listening to Him, trusting in Him and my leaders, my life today looks very different. I've now got a wonderful marriage, beautiful, five beautiful kids. I've got a purpose every day. I feel like I'm actually making a difference in living the life that God wanted me to live to start with. I've never been more excited for my future, and I'm more at peace with my life right now. Um, I've been, I'm very blessed to work here at church with the best bosses in the world. <laughs> 20 bucks later, thank you. Um, I, I work here in a few different areas. Um, I lead a connect group. Um, I've got the opportunity to share what God has done in my life with others. God has taught me to be a better husband, a better dad, and a man who isn't afraid to fight for my family. I'm far from perfect. I know it's hard to believe, but I'm far from perfect. But I'm also far from where I used to be. And each day I do still have to seek God. I still have to ask Him for help and keep trusting in Him every day. I've only overcome what I have because I put God first and trusted it into Him even when it didn't make sense. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Dan. Oh. Fantastic. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for sharing our, our vision. And Rod, I might get you back up with me for a while. Thank you. Our vision uh, as a church is to see lives transformed. I love that line. I, I, I'm not there yet, but I'm a lot further from where I used to be. And that's... That's the indescribable gift of Jesus Christ and the change that he can make if you surrender and you let him in. And so tonight we're going to talk about Jesus, the indescribable gift. And uh, just, I'm sharing a message that I shared this morning. So if you're here this morning, you're going to get, you're going to get it again. Uh, and I know that's why you're back. That's awesome. Uh, gifts are awesome. I'm working on my wish list right now. I've come up with four things, which is, which is great. And in my research for this message, I looked back at a lot of the popular gifts over the years, or the number one Christmas gift that, that was given in certain years. And for someone born in 1971, I was, I was surprised to learn that in 1966 it was Twister, because I thought that came out in the 80s. But Twister was the, the, the number one Christmas gift of 1966. You come along a little bit further, the year I was born, it was this little thing called a space hopper that we used to have in Sunday school. So space, that was your favorite, Teresa. Did you have one? Of course you did. There we go. Came along a bit further. And for those of you who thought you know, for, how many of you people were born after 1990 in the room? Just help me out here right now. Pretty much the majority. Excellent. I'm not feeling old. For those of you who thought you know came in after 1990, it was actually 1972's favorite gift. I know, that's hard to believe. We come on a little bit further and uh, uh, Connect 4 came out in 1976. That was the number one gift. Atari Games in 1979. Again, we're not born yet, but just so you know, the Rubik's Cube came out in 1980. What the heck? Cabbage Patch Kids. Teresa, that would have wanted... No, you were past it then. You were, you, you've moved on. Okay, sorry. Who's a Cabbage Patch Kids fan? Just help me out. Let me like Miranda, was that your, your teenage years? You're, you were just born. Okay, sorry. Okay. Uh, there we go. Cabbage Patch Kids. Just, uh, okay, that's good. Excellent. All right, moving forward. Jenga came out in 1987. 
the Turtles. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay, now we're starting to resonate with some people in the room. 1990, 1991 Super Nintendo came out. All right, we'll keep going. Some we don't have photos of. Uh, Tickle Me Elmo was a big hit in 1996. Elmo wasn't even on Sesame Street when I was a kid. That, I know, I know, hard to believe. Just, okay, keep moving forward. Pokemon cards in 1999. I know, now we're starting to get some, some of those of you who are born after 2000. What have we got here? The N Nintendo DS. Who's still got one? Okay, good job. We've got some Nintendo DSs. Xbox 360 was 2005. PlayStation 3. Is it like an Xbox PlayStation thing going on, right? Who's more of a PlayStation person? Xbox? That's like an Apple Samsung thing, isn't it, really? It's just one or the other. Uh, Christmas gifts started getting really expensive. In 2007, the iPod Touch was the go-to. Then the Nintendo Wii. Then, okay, Zuzu Pets. Anyone? Okay, we've got some Zuzu pet. I don't know. Like, I don't even know what it, like, it, I'll show you. No, okay, you can't see it. iPads came out in 2010. Star Wars control, remote controls in 2015. 2014 was the Zuma Dino. I know, I know. Okay, none of us bought Christmas presents apparently in 2014, the Zuma <laughs> Dino. And then 2016 was the classic addic edition of the Super Nintendo game. There we go, that was the classic, it came back. If you stick around long enough, just go and get that Connect 4 box out of the, out of the play, and give it to somebody else, and it'll be like the most modern, wonderful gift. That's the, that's the deal. Indescribable gifts. I hope I've helped someone with some Christmas ideas here tonight. Indescribable gifts. Jesus, of course, is the reason behind the gift giving. And he is the indescribable gift. He's the one, and I'm going to do my best to describe some of the things that happen when you let Jesus come into your life, because that's ultimately why he came. God sent his son. He was born in a manger, and the angels sang like crazy because heaven invaded earth in a moment that changed all of history when Jesus came. And there are three things I'm going to talk about today that Jesus came. And next week, I'll talk about a different three reasons. I'd love to invite you to come back and bring your friends next week. But there are three things that I want to focus on that Jesus brought into our life when we let him come. And the first is that when you receive Jesus, you receive life in the full. Jesus said these words, they're recorded in the book of John. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. He's talking about God's enemy, the devil. But Jesus said, but I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you could expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. I love when I talk to people who come to our church for the very first time, and I did it this, this morning, talking to people, and it was their first experience of our church, and they're like, I was figuring more the pews and the stained glass windows, and I had a particular image, and, and in, in, in my heart it was going to be a lot less exciting, a lot less fun. Yes, Teresa. Uh, may, maybe there, was, there, there would be just a, a greater sense of guilt and that I don't measure up. And people have all sorts of different misconceptions about Christianity for all sorts of reasons. Sometimes it's because of what they've seen on TV. Sometimes it's because of an encounter they've had with, with a religious person who's actually more hypocritical and judgmental rather than a reflection of God and His love towards us. Or, or sometimes it's just from a bad experience growing up. 
And if you've had a bad experience in church where someone mistreated you, I just, I want to say, uh, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. But don't judge God by the misdemeanors the mis, uh, and the, the shortfalls of Christians. Judge God by Jesus, who is God himself. Read the Bible and discover who God really is. Jesus came to show us who God really is. And he came, uh, he came not to shrink your life. He didn't come to give you all the don'ts and that's it. He came to give you an abundant life, a magnificent life, a life that's full and vibrant and colorful and wonderful. And unfortunately, so often and too often, people can leave it too long in their lives because they've chased their dream. And, and when they get to their dream, they realize that this dream actually doesn't fulfill me. Because you weren't created to be fulfilled by external things. You are created to be firstly and foremostly fulfilled by a relationship with God. I was uh, looking into the life of George Foreman, and some of you are going to say, who's George Foreman? But George Foreman is a boxer, thank you, Michael, a famous boxer. And he tells his story as a boxer uh, in 1977. He'd been fighting for many years. He'd become a world champion. And he was reflecting on his life of 28 years coming from poverty to wealth. He was the heavyweight champion of the world, yet he described his success that it left him empty. We've got George up there. For 10 years, he'd gone through the same routines, getting ready for the fights. But after another win, he felt empty. My goal for life, he said, was another W, another win. And he thought, isn't there something left to life? Money wasn't fulfilling the void. He had more cash in the bank than he could ever dream of three homes, a dozen cars, a ranch, yet all of that stuff left him unfulfilled. Would another car make him happy? He said, there was a mysterious piece of the puzzle missing in my life, and I didn't know where to find it. And he began to look into religions. And of course, uh, again, a little history lesson, but he had a, a classic fight against Muhammad Ali. And Ali uh, famously turned to become uh, a follower of Islam. And he one day had an encounter with him uh, where obviously his life wasn't transformed by it. And he said, well, that's not the religion for me because this guy is just like I am right now. He's empty and unfulfilled. And then he began to look at another famous person who was into another particular re religion. And he realized that, that that wasn't fulfilling that particular person. And then after a fight in, nine, in 1978, I think it was, he went back to his, the, the change rooms after a fight and he had an encounter with God. He, he, he felt like he went to hell and died on the inside. And, and in this moment, he began to reach out to God. And be, he began to, to cry out to Jesus, the indescribable gift. And uh, George Foreman went on to become uh, one, of, one of America's famous preachers right now. He is the Reverend George Foreman. He talks about how that encounter with God and then that, that relationship going forward changed him from the inside. Because when he looked for something on the outside to fulfill, him it didn't fulfill him but when he found God or Jesus he fulfilled him Jesus put it like this John 4 verse 13 and 14 Jesus said anyone who drinks this water you can pull that one down thanks guys will soon become thirsty again he's talking to a woman beside a well he said if you if you drink this water within six hours 12 hours three hours you'll be thirsty again it will fulfill a physical need for you but he said, if you drink the water that I give you, and it was a metaphor for spiritual life, 
You'll never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. There's a life that's only available from God that doesn't come from the things that we accumulate. It doesn't come from the the possessions that we have. It doesn't come from the achievements that we get. It doesn't even come from the relationships or the highs or the pleasures of life. It comes from something on the inside. Nothing external will fill the gap that's in your life or my life that was created to be in relationship with God. And Jesus said, I've come to give you you this abundant life, not a restricting life. I want to help you today to to maybe uh, change your perception of Christianity. If you think Christianity is about uh, God being a divine killjoy of every good thing that you'd like. He's not like that. He, 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 just, he knows how he created you and he knows the things that we, if we get trapped in them, they'll trap us and destroy us. So he steers us away from things that will destroy us because he knows the damage it will do to us because he wants the absolute best for us. And he wants us to live this amazing, incredible life. Jesus came that you might have life and you might have it to the full. And that life comes and it starts on the inside. He said these words, humans can reproduce only human life, John 3 verse 6. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. God gives birth to spiritual life. Now, lots of people think this. Christianity is all about taking someone who's bad and making them good. So we'll, we'll find, uh, and then they go, and I've, I've heard people say this, that person could never be a church person because they're too bad. And, they're like, they, they, and, and sometimes we disqualify ourselves. If only you know what I've done in my past, I wouldn't even be allowed in the doors of this church. Well, good news is extra reinforcing so the roof doesn't collapse on you. That's, that's, that's why we particularly put reinforcing in. But, hey, we've all got our Sunday smiles on, all of us. But the reality is we're all only here because of the forgiveness that's available through Jesus Christ, not because we're good enough. But the other, the other side is people go, well, if Christianity is about taking a bad person and making them good, well, I, I'm, I'm actually pretty good, so I don't need God. That's another misconception. I'm pretty good. I don't need God. Christianity is a crutch for those who are weak. It's, it's, it's something for those, for the needy. I don't need God, but the, here's the reality. Christianity is not taking a bad person and making them good. It's taking those who are spiritually dead and bringing us spiritually alive. And when you become spiritually alive, when God himself comes and lives in you, and now suddenly you've got the wellspring of life living on the inside of you, you don't need stuff to make you happy. You don't need things to make you happy. You don't need externals. You've now got the wellspring of life. The creator himself lives on the inside of you, and that's when life goes from black and white to color. That's where you watch people, the, the life comes into their eyes. That's when you watch people and go, what is the transformation that happened to Mr. Dan Bowman from this to that? Did he just suddenly start obeying some rules? No. He surrendered to God. And God transformed him by starting by a spiritual rebirth and he began to live as a brand new spiritual creation. Not someone, oh, I'm going to try and be good. Oh, that's painful. You can't do it. 
You're not going to be good enough, but if you let God in, He'll change you because He came to give you life and life in, the, in abundance. And He'll blow you away with what He'll lead you to if you'll surrender. That's the first part of the indescribable gift. The second part of the indescribable gift is a cleansed conscience. A cleansed conscience. In the Old Testament, Looking forward to one day when Jesus would come, once a year, the priest, the high priest would have this experience on what's called the Day of Atonement. Atonement means covering for our sin. And the high priest would take a goat and lay his hands on the goat's head and in a moment of transference would representing all of the, he would confess all of the sins of all of God's people, Israel, on this goat, and then they would release it to run wild out into the wilderness. And that's where we get the term scapegoat from. This is the scapegoat. Something that's taken the fall for everybody else's mistakes. That goat was a, a, a type that one day Jesus would come and he would become the scapegoat. That God would let him go to a cross and he would die on a cross for although he was perfect and had never sinned, he would die on the cross as the scapegoat for your sin and my sin. In fact, the sins of the world, in a moment, God laid them on Jesus. And when he went to that torturous cross, motivated by love for you and I, it was so that you and I do not have to bear the burden, the weight, the guilt, the shame, of the mistakes and sins of our past that we don't have to wear them, but Jesus has already worn them. That's why as a church, our whole aim is that when people come, you feel loved, you feel accepted, you feel celebrated. In spite of what I know is in the cupboard of, this, of all of our dirty little secrets, we don't come in with those and we're not here to make people feel guilty about those, but here's what I want to tell you about Jesus. He knows that when we get to heaven, there's going to be a moment of judgment for every one of us where the screen, the screen goes up and your life and my life is replayed. I know, that's a little nerve-wracking, isn't it? Words, thoughts, actions, and we'll be held accountable for our life. Of course we will. God's just. We'll be held accountable. Here's the good news. There can be a lot of red on the screen of your life represented by the blood of Jesus if we put our faith in Him because what God does is He takes all our sin if we put our faith in Him and He laid it upon Jesus and all we have to do is believe in Him. It's the, the, it's the ultimate gift. The gift of forgiveness that's not deserved. It's not something you gain. It's not something you can pay for. In fact, we'll never pay for it. It's why we worship God. Because He's so incredible. Because He's washed us clean. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14 says, Just think about how much more the blood of Christ will cleanse or purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of His Holy Spirit, Christ offered Himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Psychologists will tell you today that one of the greatest causes of mental illness, depression, anxiety, stress, can often be sourced back to guilt. 
guilt. I've known people who have said to me, after they've done some things that they knew were wrong, oh, I've got a mental illness and it's not because of that, it's just something else. And not every mental illness, of course, relates to our guilt, but a lot does. And Jesus comes to set us free from guilt, shame, depression, anxiety as a free gift. If we, now, but here's the key. It's called ownership. The Bible calls it repentance. Repentance is where we take God's side against our sin and say, I'm responsible. I'm responsible. I lied. I criticized. I stole. I was impure. I was judgmental. I was filled with pride. And I'm sorry, God. Because it doesn't come naturally to do that. Our normal response to when we start to feel guilt is to blame somebody else. It's their fault. It's my upbringing. They did this. They did that. Or, or I'm just going to attack that person. Or I feel so guilty I'm just going to escape do all this stuff. Or maybe I'm going to rationalize it away. Or maybe I'm just going to become a, a saint and do all this good stuff to compensate for my guilt. That's not God's way. I don't want any person to leave tonight feeling guilty. In fact, that's the whole point of Jesus coming is the indescribable guilt. If we'll take ownership for our mistakes and say, God, I'm sorry, then His blood cleanses us. And over and over again, when I, when I see people recognize that and begin a relationship with God and say, okay, I'm accepting His love. I, I, I just ask people, what's the difference? What happened when you asked God into your life and you repented. And so often people just say it like this. I just got an incredible sense of peace. Just peace. And that peace, you know what it comes from? Not fighting your conscience anymore. But being forgiven. And the only thing that brings forgiveness is the blood of Jesus. That's the second part of the indescribable gift. Are you going all right this morning? Tonight, I'm sorry. The third, the third point is this, Purpose. When Jesus comes into your life, He'll give you life and life to the full from a spiritual rebirth from God on the inside. He'll give you a cleansed conscience from the forgiveness of sins. When we take ownership of them, it's, it's the most amazing thing. And He comes to give you purpose. Now this can be tricky. Purpose is about direction in my life. I don't know about you, but lots of guys struggle with direction. Any guy or asking for directions? Anyone here struggle asking for directions? Come on, fellas. There's, there's, a, there's a few. You know what? I've, they tell me that it's genetic. Uh, the reason it's genetic is apparently there's 500,000 sperm to one egg because they won't ask for directions. That's, that's, a, that's just the genetic problem with, with all of us guys. Just, just taking one for the team there right now. Okay. So next time you feel lost, guys, and you're tempted to go, I know the way, I know what I'm doing, just stop and remember, oh, that's genetic, I just, I'm going to ask for directions. <laughs> directions, directions. Direction in your life comes from purpose. And more than anything, the, the tragedy of a modern generation, I believe, is feeling like my life doesn't have purpose. Feeling like if I'm not famous, if I don't have this many followers or friends on social media, then, then maybe my life's not that 
exciting or what it's supposed to be. But when Jesus came, He came to give you purpose. He came to get you living not just from Friday to Friday, Monday to Friday, and thank God it's the weekend. I said, said this morning, yesterday, I went through my local grocery store. I was having a conversation with the guy at the, the desk, and just he was asking me, what am I doing today? And I said, what are you doing today? And he goes, oh, we're going out for beers tonight. And I'm like, okay, cool. And he goes, in fact, that's all I've got to do. That's it. That's, that's basically what I'm living for. And I just thought, that is that's someone living without purpose. And there's a, there's a season where Bible calls pleasure is fleeting. It feels good for a moment. And there's things that you'll do that feel good for a moment, but they'll end up leaving you empty. They'll end up leaving you feeling like there's got to be something more to my life. And that's because God created you for a purpose. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. You are sitting beside someone masterful tonight. Go on, turn to them and say, you're his masterpiece. He, okay, that's enough now. Whoa, there's a lot of art admirers in the room here. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. A long time, before the world was created, God was thinking about you. He was thinking about creating you, Mason. He was thinking, man, okay, what year were you born? 2003? Two? Three. He was thinking about, okay, had to think about that. He was thinking about in 2003, I want this young man, Mason, to be born. And he planned your life. And he planned our lives. The Bible tells us that he wrote down the plans that he's got for you and for me. The things that we would do for God, the things that we would do in our contribution to God's kingdom coming into this world and changing the world. One person, one deed, one action at a time. He prepared it before the beginning of time. And then when he thought, so I've, I've wired, my, uh, this is what he's going to do. He's like, okay, so I'm going to give him this personality that'll be perfect for his purpose. And I'm going to give him these abilities that will be perfect for his purpose. And all the things that line up. And so all he's going to need to do at one point is if he surrenders his life to me as he has, he'll have a spiritual rebirth and he'll be born again in Christ. And he'll become my masterpiece. And from that moment, if he follows me and listens to me and serves others and is part of my family, he's going to live a life of purpose that will be more fulfilling than millions of dollars in the bank, more fulfilling than any awards that you could ever achieve, more fulfilling than any relationships that you could ever have because it's living with purpose that God created you for, destiny that will work. It will fulfill you. You're his masterpiece. One of America's top cartoonists, Ralph Barton, left a note as after on his pillow when he took his own life. And he wrote this, I've had very few difficulties. I've had many friends, great successes. I've gone from wife to wife, from house to house, visited great countries of the world, but I am fed up with inventing devices to fill up 24 hours of the day. You're created to live a life of purpose, not just to fill up the day, 
not just to find things that will give you a high now, not just to find things that will dull the pain, but a purpose. It's part of the gift that Jesus wants to bring into your life. Purpose. And I'm going to, in a moment, give us an opportunity to accept Jesus, the one who comes to give us life in abundance, the one who comes to give us a cleansed conscience, forgiveness, all part of the gift of Christ, and the one who comes to give us purpose, to connect us to purpose. Will God write it all out and show you here's your whole life's purpose in a moment? No, He won't. It'll unfold. But once you get on track and you have that sense, I'm now starting to live the life that God has created me for, it'll be so fulfilling, I promise you. So this is what I want to do tonight because I know that there's some people in the room and you've never received the gift. It's one thing if I put a gift under the Christmas tree, but if you never came and got it, it's just going to sit there. The gift that God has for you tonight is the, is the gift of salvation, a fresh start of getting right with God, all those things I've talked about. But here's the deal, you have to receive it. And so what we're going to do, I'm going to pray for us in a moment. And I'm wondering if you're here tonight and you've never received that gift of salvation. You've never put your faith in Jesus. Then in a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand if you're saying, John, tonight, I want to receive that gift you're talking about, Jesus Christ and a relationship with God. Maybe there's been a point in your life where you walked with God, but you're not walking with Him anymore. And you can feel the distance and you can feel the emptiness and you can feel the sense of unful unfulfillment. And maybe it's just a matter of swallowing your pride tonight to reconnect to God. But if you would say yes to Him, then things will begin to change immediately as God comes into your life afresh. Maybe you drifted away. You didn't mean to. You didn't stop believing God at any particular point. You just got busy or distracted or, or, or caught up in other stuff and you didn't stop believing but you know God's not the center and he needs to be well in a moment when I count to three I want you to raise your hand and say John tonight I want to come back to God will you include me in this prayer what I'll do once we do that is I'm going to lead us in a prayer I'm going to ask I'm going to pray out loud and those of you who've raised your hand are going to join with all of us in our seats together in praying a prayer submitting and surrendering to Jesus Christ the son of God and you will have a spiritual rebirth that will change everything you might be here tonight and you're not sure that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. Well, I'd love you to leave this place with a certainty in your heart. Not because you're good enough. Not because you're, you're perfect. None of us can be. But because you believe in Jesus Christ. So can we close our eyes right across the room? Father, I'm praying for every heart that's away from you right now. For every person who doesn't know you tonight, that tonight would be the night that they would come to know you, our loving Father. Tonight would be the night they would know the forgiveness of sin. Tonight would be the night that, that you come and change their lives. In a moment when I count to three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand if you're saying, John, I want to come back to Christ or I want to begin a relationship with God because something's missing in my life or I want to be sure I'm going to heaven. Now, here we go. I'm going to count to three. One, just be bold right now. This is your moment. Two, you're surrendering to God and inviting Him into your life. Here we go. Three, would you just raise your hand if that's you right now? Say, that's me. Thank you, mate. I see your hand. That's awesome. Thank you over there also. I see your hand. That's awesome. Who else right now? Just raise your hand up real high and say, that's me as well. Those two guys, you can put your hand down. Fantastic. Right up the back. That's three. Thank you so much for, for raising your hand. We're going to pray together in a moment. Well done. Thank you, sir. Who else right now? Tonight's your night to get right with God. It would be 
my greatest privilege to lead you in a prayer of surrender to God. It will be a game changer, but if you've got to mean it from your heart and draw near to God, this is what the Bible says. Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. This is your moment of drawing near to God. This is your moment of surrendering to God. So I'm wondering, I'm waiting, if there's one or two more people, this is your moment. So often I've heard this expression that the heart moves slow, the mind moves fast. Your mind can be racing right now, and sometimes it's just with the excuses of why I shouldn't be, need to do this, and why I'm, not, why I'm not going to invite God into my life, and why do I have to do it in a church, and why do I have, can't I just do it on my own? Here's what the Bible says, today is the day of salvation, right now. And so often God uses a preacher, another person, he uses our voice to speak to your heart because he loves you. So I'm wondering if there's one or two more people in the room right now and it's your turn to surrender to God and get right with Him. Would you raise your hand right now so we can include you in this prayer? Wherever you are, just raise it real high. Say, that's me. Thanks, man. Right up the back, I see your hand. Who else right now? Would you raise your hand? Right up high so I can see it. Say, that's me. I'm surrendering to God. I feel like there's at least one more person. This is your moment. There's a tug of war going on in your heart. That's because God's drawing you to Him. He loves you so much, but you have to surrender. Tonight's your night to surrender. Who's that last person? Would you raise your hand as well and say, John, that's me. I want to get right with God as well. I want to surrender my life with God. Someone, and, and your issue has been anxiety. It's just been a constant struggle of anxiety. You try different things to solve the problem. But tonight I want to tell you, Jesus is the one who's going to solve the problem. Would you surrender? Thank you. I see your hand. That's awesome. You can put your hand down. We're going to pray together, church. This is sacred, holy moments. I want you, for those five people, you raised your hand. I want you to pray after me with all of us. But you're not praying to me. You're praying to God. He hears your prayer. Would you join with me, everybody, out loud together right now? Say these words. Dear God in heaven, I thank you that you love me, that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sin in my place. I'm sorry for living my own way and rejecting you. I turn to you tonight to follow you with all my heart. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I renounce the devil and all his works. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and the power of God. I thank you that I am forgiven. I'm born again. I'm cleansed and I'm going to heaven. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Come on, can you put your hands together for those ones who raised your hands? God bless you. Thank you, each one of you. Bible says when one person responds to God, there's more joy in heaven than over any other moment. Bible says that when you respond to God and put your faith in, in, in Jesus Christ, that your name is written in the book of life. That's the, that's the name, that's the book that gets you into heaven. And we're celebrating and heaven's celebrating with you right now. I'd love to encourage those of you who responded tonight, some of you maybe this morning or over the last few weeks, that the best way to be a follower of Jesus is to continue to be part of church. Continue coming. I want to invite you along to church on a regular basis. This is where your life is transformed with that relationship with God. I also want to encourage you. We've got a course called Alpha. 
It's a six-week course. It's about who Jesus is and who the Bible is. It's done in a group format. And one of our team who's seen your hand go up will, will say hi, introduce themselves to you. But I really recommend that you do that course, Alpha. Hey, guys, next week, come back. Bring some friends. We're going to have a phenomenal time. God bless you.